morning, good afternoon or good evening. I hope you are well. I just wanted to uh, say a huge hi, hello to United States. Thank you so much for following my episodes every single week. I really appreciate you. Uh, today I'm going to travel to Wisconsin, United States. Uh, at this point, I'm sure many people around the globe have watched the documentary of Netflix called Making a Murderer. This focuses on the murder of Teresa Halvach and the murder conviction of Stephen Avery and his nephew, Brandon. It's a very sad case, not just for the murder of Teresa, but also for the wrongful conviction of Stephen. But let's not dive in so fast. Who killed Teresa? It is still a mystery to this day. However, many people, including Stephen's lawyer, Kathleen, has linked to her murder somebody very close to Stephen. In fact, there are still new clues coming forward to this day that are disentangling the true facts of this case. Definitely, the public opinion on the case widely varies to this day. Let's dive in. Stephen Avery's family has operated a salvage yard in rural Gibson, Wisconsin, on a property where all lived, outside town. Stephen was convicted of burgling a bar at age 18, he served 10 months in jail and was re released on probation. Then, in late 1982, Stephen was guilty of animal cruelty and jailed for a few months. Back in 1983, he said he was young and stupid and hanging out with the wrong people. Again, Avery was convicted to jail for sexually assaulting Penny Bernstein back in 1985. He was sentenced to 32 years in prison and after serving 18, the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Innocence Project used DNA testing, which was not available at the time of Avery's original trial to exonerate him and demonstrate that Gregory Allen had committed the crime instead. Teresa Halvach disappeared on the 31st of October 2005. Teresa was a photographer and was alleged last seen in Avery's home near the grounds of Avery's auto salvage to take pictures for Avery's sister's minivan that he was offering for sale. Teresa's car was found by police on November 5th in the yard and it appears they found blood stains that allegedly match Stephen's DNA. The prosecution defended that Stephen and his nephew Brendan at his 16-year-old lured her inside their house, assaulted her sexually and then killed her. It appears that Brendan Dicey confessed that Avery let him in the trailer after he originally was going to deliver a letter and that Avery told him he had assaulted Teresa sexually several times and encouraged him to do so as well. Daisy confessed to have also sexually assaulted her afterwards. Then 
they both killed her. However, if you have seen the documentary, you will have realized that the police did an awful job during Daisy's interrogation, and I have a very strong opinion about it, which I will dive in later. For all of that, Avery was charged with Teresa's murder, kidnapping, sexual assault, and mutilation of her corpse on November 11, 2005. Karen Stevens' lawyer Kathleen Selner is experienced for obtaining the exonerations of 20 wrongly convicted men. If you have seen the documentary, you might have realized about the exceptional work she has done by employing experts and carrying out extensive tests to determine the prosecution's claims against Avery. As an example, they discovered evidence box containing Avery's blood collected in 1996 that had been unsealed and had a puncture hole visible in the stopper. There is a speculation that the blood found in Teresa's car was planted in her car to incriminate Avery. She argues that both Avery and Daisy had nothing to do with this crime and believes Brendan's brother, Bobby, and his stepfather, Scott Tadich, are the offenders instead. Bobby Daisy is a family member of Avery's and he was a main player in the trial proceedings. Essentially, he is Stephen Avery's nephew and he was called by the prosecutions as one of the main witnesses in the trial against his uncle, Stephen. Bobby testified that he saw Teresa taking pictures on Steve's property but never saw again after she went into Avery's trailer. He confirms that he went hunting and her car was still parked. However, the car was gone by the time he returned. While Stephen is serving a life sentence, he argues that his conviction is based on planted evidence and false testimony. In fact, Kathleen is filing a new motion that claims Bobby planted the car of missing Teresa at the Avery Yard and she goes by citing a new witness who recently came forward with information. His name is Thomas Sowinski, and he claims he was delivering newspapers to the Avery Yard on 5th November 2005, which is five days after Teresa's disappearance, when he saw Bobby Daisy and an older man pushing a dark blue rough four down Avery Road, which is Teresa's car. It actually appears that Thomas called the Manitoba Sheriff's office to report his encounter with Bobby, but then he was told by the officer that they already knew who did it. Currently, many campaigners for Avery's freedom believe that none of the protocols surrounding the testing of the bones remains found on Avery's land were followed, evidence was looked so poorly that they believed it could have been easily tampered with. They basically did not call any coroner, forensic anthropologist or arson or photographer to the scene when the evidence was discovered. Kathleen also, she has checked out the cell phone tower records 
and they indicate that Stephen stayed inside the property and Teresa left. So what is the current situation at the moment? The Wisconsin Court of Appeals uh, granted Avery's petition requesting that his case uh, to be remanded back to the trial court for an evidentiary hearing on his motion for a new trial. So essentially Kathleen is waiting for any response from the Wisconsin Court of Appeals right at the moment. We also know that uh, sadly Steve's mother passed away two days ago and that uh, Stephen Avery had his 59th birthday uh, yesterday, which it was one day after his mother passed away. So what is my opinion on this case? Uh, first of all, the interrogations of Brendan Daisy carried out back in 2006. We all know that played a significant role in Daisy's and Avery's conviction for Teresa's murder. And these interrogations received a lot of media criticism as the two investigators used a rate technique, which is just basically documents uh, that give out false confessions. Daisy had also a very low IQ, which made him an easy prey for the prosecution. And the interrogations clearly abused this status. This to me, it's a clear evidence that Daisy did not commit a crime, neither Avery. Kathleen is currently still fighting to take Stephen Avery out of jail. I truly believe Stephen is innocent and the prosecution has his own motives to wrongfully convict him. Unfortunately, Avery and his family has had to suffer and still does till this day. This documentary really shows you that the judicial system in the United States is broken. It amazes me how such corrupted procedures are used in order to put just anybody in jail without any guilt, without any remorse. It makes you wonder how many sociopaths and narcissists are managing criminal investigations. And also why it takes so long for the Court of Appeals to come up with their decision. By then, whenever they come up with a decision, Stephen will be in his grave. And also how it's possible that the real killers can be living their life laughing at the justice system and Avery's family, and also Teresa's family. I just really hope from the bottom of my heart that Stephen Avery is able to leave jail and people who were involved with this murder are accounted by what they did. And these people need to go to jail, not Stephen not Darcy. For more information, watch Making a Murderer in Netflix or check Kathleen Thelner's Twitter account.
Now I'm just going to leave you with the quote of the week. For this case in particular, I have found two quotes that I think they linked very well with what is happening in this case. And before I'm leaving you with these quotes, I hope that you have an splendid week that is peaceful, full of love, full of affection, and that you are coming back to me again next Sunday. A jury consists of 12 persons chosen to decide who has the better lawyer. Robert Frost, poet. This is court of law, young men, not a court of justice. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., US Supreme Court Justice.